everybody and welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast today is october 7th at time of recording we have an awesome podcast for you today and as always i am joined by a great friend of mine now a man living in the state of new jersey when we started this podcast he was living in colorado but that's no longer the case it's my great friend donnie how you doing today man well, I'm doing well. Um, you know where I'm living. You know, we'll, we'll see. It could it could be. You know, who who knows if Colorado is going to be back in the picture? Who knows? Um, probably. You know, we'll see. But uh, at this point, yes, we we are in New Jersey, and I'm just you know living the dream. Obviously, coming off of just a, a just incredible victory last night. Obviously, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. We will start right there in the world of baseball, where you're right, Donnie. Your LA Dodgers had a walk off win in the wild card game last night over the St. Louis Cardinals. That was a big win for them. Dodgers will be moving on to play their division rival, the San Francisco Giants now. That should be a really good matchup. Uh, definitely could be worthy of the NLCS, just given the fact that those were the top teams in the league this year. But what did you see last night from the Dodgers? Uh, and uh, what, how do you feel about them going into the series with the Giants? You know, the, the big thing last night that I think not enough people have talked about is the fact that the bullpen was just so, so clutch. Everybody that came in pitched uh, just insanely well so Scherzer obviously you know he struggled early on he had some issues and he definitely labored a little bit more than expected he only threw 94 pitches and four and a third which is really really not Max Scherzer-esque usually he's good for six or seven like in his sleep um but yeah I mean when you can throw a guy like Joe Kelly Joe Kelly comes in and, and pitches like incredible pitch inning after that and then Trinan Knebel and Kenley come in and totally shut down a Cardinals team that has what I would say is a pretty, a pretty solid middle of the lineup. Well, obviously Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arenado, Carlson, Yachty, even Harrison Bader is not bad. And they totally shut them down. Um, really just a, a good, a good feeling. Cause you know, um, the Dodgers bullpen has not always been this good. And I think obviously, you know, it's like if you, you finishing off on a, on a walk-off is always uh, exciting. You kind of knew like once they got out of the ninth inning, if they had a guy in second, the Cardinals, and once they got out of the ninth inning, I was like, okay, like this could be it. Like this, this is really the start. Like this feels like something. And it turned out, you know, obviously Chris Taylor got all of one, and that's all you need to, to win a ball game. I think, like you know, you just you need a little bit of luck out of the bullpen. You need to need some strong performances, and bang, you know, one home run, and you're you're on to the next round. Yeah, no doubt. Those wild card games are insane. How like how intensity they are. I mean, everything on the line in just one game. I mean, it's perfect for fans. Uh, you know, neutral fans. Maybe not so much for you, Donnie. You know, as a fan of the Dodgers, that's a pretty stressful game to go through. But no, it was definitely a good win, and I was definitely glad to see it. I think the Dodgers were definitely the better team uh, between the two. The Cardinals just kind of got hot towards the end of the year, so um, thought it was good to see the Dodgers move on, and uh, definitely looking forward to their matchup with the Giants. I mean, uh, definitely want to hit on that series a little bit more too, just given the fact that um, like I said I think it's two of the best teams in the National League overall so um, how do you feel about the Giants I know that they've kind of gone back and forth a little bit this year uh, in some of their battles there in the NLS but um, how do you feel going into the series with the Giants you know it's not I'm not as happy with where the Dodgers are against the Giants compared to where they could have been um, maybe like a week ago uh, obviously you know in the last week they've lost Clayton Kershaw and Max Muncy both of whom probably will not be playing. A Kershaw definitely will not be playing, but Max Muncy is probably out for the series. So that that brings a little bit, throws a wrench into the plans a little bit. 
Um, but I mean, if you even if you look at the teams side by side, I think you could say the Dodgers have a definite. Um, they have a definite advantage in, in offense, defense. You know, I, I definitely pitching too, um, in terms of statistically at least. So it, it's interesting to see. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how the Giants perform with home field advantage. Obviously, home field in a five game series is really, really important. Like that's massive. Um, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be important that the Dodgers uh, win one of the first two games, or else it's basically you know it's basically you're done there because you're not going to win three straight against this giant team that has been extremely scrappy all year. Yeah, no doubt. It should be a good matchup um, Two, you know, definitely a surprise team with the giants and then a team with one of the best rosters in all of baseball with the Dodgers. So uh, I'm picking the Dodgers in that series. I think we'll finally see them uh, kind of break through a little bit here, but uh, we can kind of run through the other series in the baseball playoffs here in the division round, Donnie, and give us some of our picks. So we'll keep things going in the national league. So other series we're going to see is the Braves and the Brewers. Uh, who do you think takes that matchup uh, in that series? You know, unfortunate for sure that the Braves have dealt with so many injuries. Obviously, you want to see a guy like Ronald Acuna in the playoffs. Yeah. There's no real question about no that. You'd love to see him. And uh, Atlanta's also missing Soroka, who is, I would say, probably their best pitcher at this point. Yeah. Um, I, just for that, I'll, I'll probably go with the Brewers. Uh, home field advantage is, is important. And again, like I'd say, they're pitching with Burns and Woodruff. It, it's like That's like scary to have to deal, deal with those two guys in the first games at home. So I'll probably take the Brewers. I guess I'll take the Brewers in five, but I mean, it could really go either way. I'm like shocked that Atlanta has had finished the year so well without all of their uh, two, two of their biggest, um, you know, most talented players. Yeah, I definitely agree with that analysis. You know, the NL East was one of the worst divisions in baseball. So uh, the Brewers winning that at just 88 wins. Um, I think that, you know, while they have been a team that's made the playoffs, you're right. I think the injuries will be a little bit too much. I really like the pitching staff that the Brewers have over there. So um, I'm also taking the Brewers in that series. So um, just, we'll just kind of run through that. We can flip over to the American League now. Uh, starting with the top team in the American League, Tampa Bay Rays playing the winner of the wildcard game, which was the Boston Red Sox, and a nice matchup that they had over the Yankees. So um, what's your thoughts on this series, Donnie? And are you, how much of a shot are you giving the Red Sox in this one? Um, they have a shot for sure. I do think it's going to be a little bit interesting to see. Uh, with the Rays, the Rays are throwing Shane McClanahan tonight. Uh, it's currently 730 uh, Eastern time, Thursday, October the 7th. Um, so McClanahan pitches against uh, Erod tonight, and then Shane Baz pitches game two. So they're going with two of their less proven, more young stud prospects, which, you know, if you're telling me Shane Baz throwing against Chris Sale, I'm going to take Chris Sale nine, nine times out of ten. But I don't know. I, the Rays have just been so good that they could throw anybody out there. If, if, if they saw Rich Hill and he was out there, I'd be like, okay, they're probably going to win this game. So – I'm thinking probably like 30% the Red Sox win. I, I would say the Rays, if they lost this early, it would be a shocking, shocking upset, I would say. Yeah, I think that's pretty good analysis. Two teams with a lot of familiarity, of course, in you know, the best division in baseball, the American League East, um, was outstanding, the competitive balance in that division this year. But I'm definitely going with the Rays. I think 30% is a fair shot for the Red Sox. I would even maybe say a little bit um, less than that, maybe even down to like 15 or 20%. I think the Rays have just been so consistent this entire year and uh, coming off last year where they had a lot of playoff success as well. I think that the Rays should make uh, fairly quick work of the Red Sox. So um, that's who I've got in that series. Um, good to hear you also picking the Rays in that one and that 
We'll move on to the last series uh, that we'll see here in the division round before we get into some of our questions. This one is the White Sox and the Astros. Um, this game is currently going on for us right now, as Donnie mentioned, the live podcasting. But how do you see this series overall between the Sox and the Astros, Donnie? You know, had you asked me before this, it may have been a little bit different. I, I probably still would have taken the Astros in a longer series, but it's it's interesting to see how the Astros somehow managed to always get to these pitchers early in playoff games. Like I feel like that's something they've done very well. And today with Lance Lynn, they absolutely destroyed Lance Lynn, who was having probably the best year of his career, like maybe um, up there uh, among one of the best years of his career. Um, and, and yeah, like the Astros go out there, they throw Lance McCullers, who throws a gem against the White Sox offense that we've talked about time and time again, just how good is his team? Yeah. But I guess it looks like the Astros really have figured things out. So, I mean, I guess I'll take the Astros in five, but I, before this, I might've been more inclined to take the White Sox. Cause I, I thought, you know, Lance Lynn is like, he's been amazing. I thought for sure the White Sox may be able to take this game. Um, but I, you know, I guess things happen. Um, so I'll go with the Astros in five. Yeah, that's a good pick, honestly. I, I've been really been kind of torn on the White Sox this year because, like you said, I mean, I think the roster is outstanding. I think it's about as good as you're going to find in the entire major um, with how loaded that White Sox roster is. But it just seems like they've kind of just been missing, you know, hitting their, you know, full stride at points this year. Obviously, here in game one, they, they're going to come up short to the Astros. But um, I think it will be still a competitive series overall. But I am going to go with the Astros in five like you have in this one. I just think that they've just been a little bit more consistent throughout this year. And the White Sox obviously benefited from being in a pretty bad division themselves. So uh, I think that you'll see that the Astros will come out on top. But um, I do think it'll be a very competitive series. Uh, White Sox making the playoffs last year. Uh, quick exit for them. But I think they're continuing to get better. But I still don't think they're going to get past the Astros in the series overall. Which is, you know, maybe not the most shocking thing in the world, but man, had you told me the White Sox would struggle against the Astros at the beginning of the year, I would have said, no, the Astros are going to fall off a little bit. And then I, at this point, like the Astros are still so good. It's just, it's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Like they've just, you know, kind of found a way to still be good, even through a manager change and a cheating scandal. Like they've kind of kept a lot of that same core that they've had uh, for a little while now. Obviously, El Tuve, Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Bregman. I mean, just a loaded lineup. So um, the fact that out some of their star pitchers like uh, Justin Verlander for this year, they've still been so consistent. So um, should be a good matchup and a competitive series, but seems like we're both going with the Astros in this one. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. Always love baseball playoffs. October baseball is one of my favorite times year i mean just the high intensity games starting right away with the wild card um it, it's really good stuff so uh, i'm really looking forward to seeing how the rest of it kind of unfolds so um good stuff there nice win for donnie's dodgers uh in the uh wild card round so definitely wanted to start off our pod by highlighting what going on in the major league baseball side of things but we've got a lot of good question askers in this podcast so we want to make sure that we really highlight them and this one we're going to start with our friend eric Eric always asking us a bunch of questions, been on the podcast a couple of times. So he's got some nice questions for us to break down. So we're going to start with his first one in the national football league. And he says, do you buy into the Cardinals hype? So a couple of people asking me about this. I did kind of shit on the Cardinals a few weeks ago, thinking they were a little overrated when they got off to a two and start, but they just destroyed the LA Rams in a game. So their offense has really been and I mean, they kind of went with the philosophy of let's just give Kyler Murray every possible weapon he could possibly ask for. 
Um, and that's honestly been working out for him so far, putting up a ton of points. I do think that the Cardinals will kind of falter a little bit. I don't think they're just going to steamroll through the entire NFL all season this year, but I think they are maybe a little bit better than I had initially anticipated they would be. I have to give their offense a lot of credit with how they've been really innovative this year, but it is still a really good division, possibly a playoff team for sure. Definitely uh, when you get off to a 4-0 start, you can't ignore that, but um, I'm not ready to say that the Cardinals are you know, Super Bowl contenders quite just yet, but I think they are definitely a little bit better than I thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I mean, this is coming from somebody who is a big Cardinals supporter. You're a big Kyler Murray fan. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, you know, you're you're realistic and you're honest with things, and I appreciate that. Um, for one, I would say I think I'm a believer in the Cardinals. Maybe not as a Super Bowl contender. Like it's it's still very early on in, in the whole process for the Cardinals. They were just right. a couple of years ago. They were not very good, and they they figure things out. Obviously, you know, you beat the Rams on the road, not an easy matchup. And they didn't just beat them. They absolutely dominated them in that game. And they've also beat other decent teams this year, like Minnesota, who we've talked about is a little bit of a sleeper, although they have had a struggle um, this year so far. They're actually outscoring their opponents, even though they're one and three. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I think you have to buy into them a little bit at this point. Like at, at the very least, a, a team that could make the playoffs and make a run, like it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, no doubt. I got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, I, I respect that they've just kind of gone out and got a lot of receivers. Me personally, I would have gone a little bit more to the O-line and let's really make sure we protect Kyler Murray. But he's such a unique skill set and that he kind of just bounce in and out of the pocket. And he's a really smart player at knowing when to get down and when to slide. So I think Kyler does, does give a lot of, you know, I give him a lot of credit um, for, you know, avoiding some of those big time shots. So um, that's something that I think can really kind of help the Cardinals and the fact that they've gotten some nice plays from some of their defense, obviously Chandler Jones, first game of the year he was dominant jj watt on the defense good as well i like some of the guys like isaiah simmons and byron murphy on that defense so i think they do have some ballers out there so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of fall into it so um but yeah it seems like neither of us are you know oh the cardinals they're winning the super bowl but i think we are definitely going to have to start taking them a little bit more seriously than maybe we initially thought just because that division was so good so that'll be interesting to follow so um good question there from eric Eric's got a couple questions from a couple different sports, so we'll kind of be bouncing around here a little bit. But his next one relates to his Colorado Avalanche. So we got some hockey thoughts coming up here. So he says, I don't ask many, but I have to ask for this episode. What's the outlook for the Avalanche? Are we still contenders? We'll start with you on this, Donnie. How do you feel about the Avalanche? And do you think that you're still as good at contenders as you'll find in the NHL this year? Yeah, I don't think, theoretically, I don't think the abs have changed that much in terms of what they are as a team. And I think you'd probably agree on this point. It's like, you know, obviously you lose your goaltender, uh, things are a little bit different, but they added Darcy Kemper, who has been among one of the better goaltenders in the league for the last three, four years now. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a, a terrible, terrible loss. And again, the abs are the team that will go out there and add different guys. This year, it's going to be different with them adding on more prospects than anything to the roster with guys like Bowen Byram and, and Alex Newhook, who should um, potentially play a decent role in their lineup. If not now, then maybe at the end of the year when, um, you know, the prospect, uh, I guess you could say the rampage of prospects comes up with like 10, 15 games left and they end up playing the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I, I would say they're as much of a contender, as much of a, a as good as they were last year. Probably, I would assume they're going to be a hundred plus point team. Um, maybe not win. I, I don't know if they're going to win win the conference. It's going to be a tough one. Obviously, we have other teams that are as good as them, but like I, I don't think anything's really changed with the ads in terms of the expectations. They've got to be among the top three or four teams in terms of odds to win it all this year, if not the number one team. Like honestly. 
Yeah, no doubt. Okay. I, I'm glad that you kind of started by talking about their defense a little bit because I think it's easy to look at the Avalanche and, oh, McKinnon, you know, Landis Scott, Rantanen, you know, they've got a, that, such big name guys on the f- side of their forwards. But I think that defense is, you know, as good as you're going to find in the NHL. I mean, Kale McCarr, everyone loves Kale McCarr. We know how great he is at just 22 years old. But Eric Johnson, Sam Gerrard, Devin Taves, uh, Bowen Byram, you mentioned him. Like, I think it's a really, really deep defensive group that um, they kind of have their own style. Like, Avalanche defensemen are maybe a little bit more undersized, but really good skaters, really skilled players. So, I think that's a reason why I really do like the Avalanche this year is because I'm really impressed with some of their defense. The, the thing is, too, like, how underrated is it to have three defensive pairings that can not only compete, but like dominate? Right. I think that's what we'll see out of the Avs, at least off- offensively. They're going to be able to perform. And you know, obviously, Bowen Byram plays a small role. Bowen Byram is going to be an, a potentially elite defenseman in this league for a very long time. I think there's nobody really arguing that. And this guy's going to be out there probably on a third pairing. So it's like we're going to see flashes from a guy like that. Like, how exciting is that as an Avs fan to think about your future is just so bright? Yeah, no doubt. I really like Bowen Byram a lot. I thought that um, he was one of my favorite players when he got drafted that year coming out. So I thought that was a great landing spot for him to go to the Avs. I do think it's interesting. Obviously, we've got the normal divisions instead of the uh, realignment we had last year. So, um, you know, last year it was kind of like we knew the Avalanche, the Blues, and the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be the team that kind of came out of that division. But Avalanche back in the Central Division this year, so going to be competing with teams like Dallas and uh, Winnipeg as well again. So um, I think that gives them a little bit more kind of, you know, competition in their own division. But um, I do think the Avalanche are as good a contender as you're going to find in the Western Conference. Yeah. And I mean, that's, there's no, it's not even like, you know, a slight to Vegas or anything. It's just the ads have been so good for so long. It's got to be there at some point, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. So I uh, had to give Eric some love on his avalanche. I know we, we sometimes shit on, on Eric teams, which uh, hint we may come up to do here in a little bit, but um, definitely like the avalanche. So I think they're definitely still contenders there. So um, good question. Eric's got one other hockey thought for us uh, for this podcast. And he says goalie play in the NHL seems to be so up and down, which great analysis. It definitely is. And he says, give me some goalie superlatives. So uh, we'll just kind of run through these together, Donnie. So best goalie in the NHL. Who do you got? Andre Vasilevsky, not even a question. We've known that for a while. Yeah, good analysis. Nothing else needs to be said. I've got Vasilevsky as well for that. So, um, funny question, though. Superlative. He's got worst goalie. So, uh, Donnie, give me who is your worst goalie in the NHL? Um, I'll go this year's worst goalie in terms of save percentage is going to be Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell in Buffalo, not looking good for him. Not an exciting prospect. Sure. Fair enough. Good uh, Good choice. A lot of ways you can go. I always think that Louis Domingue is absolutely trash. I don't even know where he's playing, <laughs> but I think this guy is just terrible. So uh, that's my pick for worst goalie. I'm going with Louis Domingue on that one. Uh, uh, we've got three more superlatives to hit for the goalies uh, side of things. The next one is most likely to break out this year. Donnie, who's your pick? So I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, and I'm going to go with Vitek Vanacek from Washington. Okay. I think um, – you know, obviously he did not have the most exciting thing. He ended up in uh, the Seattle list for a second there. People thought, oh, for sure he's going to end up playing for um, the Kraken. Uh, he ended up being taken by the Kraken and sent back to the Capitals. Um, I think, you know, the Capitals have a very, very interesting situation in terms of what they're going to do with their goaltending. We've seen them struggle a little bit after, you know, obviously Braden Holpe's fallen fell off for a little bit. They had to get rid of him. Uh, I think the Vanacek could very well win the job in Washington and end up be their starting goaltender by the playoffs over Sam Sonov, who is a good young goaltender in his own right. But I think Vanacek shows a lot of promise to be a, a, an NHL starter for a long time. 
Yeah, that's a good choice. I, I was actually thinking about picking uh, Samson off for some of the other uh, superlatives on this list. I like him a lot. So interesting to hear that you like Vanacek as well. So maybe some nice depth for the Caps, you know, still a couple of years removed from Braden Holpe. So uh, maybe they'll kind of bounce off each other and, and run kind of uh, a two goalie system for a little bit. So I like that pick. For me, most likely to break out, I maybe go uh, kind of an interesting pick. I'm going to go with Alex Nedeljkovic on this one. I uh, just got traded this offseason from Carolina to the Detroit Red Wings, which does not sound ideal to pick a Detroit Red Wing goaltender to break out. But um, I do think that he's in a nice situation. I think he's you know still just 25 years old and going to get a little bit more increased role coming over from Carolina. He, he definitely will split a little bit with Thomas Grice um, in Detroit. But I think that you know Detroit still has a long way to go. I'm definitely not picking them to make the playoffs by any means. But I think the defense is maybe a little bit better than it's been in the past, which um, it's been really bad in the past. But yeah, guys like Nick Letty and uh, even I think Jordan Orsterly is, is solid depth defenseman. So maybe a little bit better than in the past. So I think Alex Nadelkovic is going to have a nice season getting a little bit more increased role. So um, I'm excited to see how he does in Detroit this year. Um, next superlative, though, that we got is most likely to improve this year. Donnie, who do you got here? I'm going to go with somebody I mentioned before and Darcy Kemper. I think Darcy Kemper will end up being a Vezina candidate this year behind, again, one of the better defenses that we've had um, in the league in a while, I would say, as he's been a Vezina candidate in Arizona for the last couple of years. This last year was not great, but, you know, we've talked about Arizona on the podcast before. They're, it's just not a good team. And so it's very difficult to end up performing when your team falls off a little bit, which they did last year. I'll go with Darcy Kemper. I think he had like a 908 last year, 907, something like that. I think he could very well be a 925 goaltender and, and compete for the Vezina in um, what should be a, a very, very good contending team. Yeah, we're thinking along the same lines. I've got Darcy Kemper as well as you do, Donnie. I mean, I think going to the Avalanche is, is going to be, you know, kind of really rock solid for him. And, and like we said, we both really like that team in front of him. So I've got Kemper as well there. I definitely think he's going to see some nice improvement and uh, have a strong season for the Avs. So um, last superlative that Eric has for us, a surprise standout goaltender for this year. Donnie, who do you have here? So my thought process on this is basically it's very hard to stand out unless somebody either loses their job or retires, something like that. And I'm going to go with Linus Olmark, who is now the starting goaltender for the Boston Bruins, um, yeah, at least at, at this point. You know, you really never know what happens with the Bruins, considering they decide to do whatever they want, whenever they want. So it's like if Tuka Rask ends up back in Boston playing, like, am I shocked? No. But yeah. I'll go with Linus Olmark. I think, first off, it's a guy that hasn't really seen much, hasn't had much luck playing. You know, obviously, when you're in Buffalo, it's not a good time. Um, and now you're going to Boston, who has been as rock solid as a, a, a strong playoff team in the last decade as any. So I think I think he's a guy that will not only stand out, but really surprise people. It could end up being a, a, a one of the more elite starting goaltenders in the league. Sure, that's an interesting choice. Bruins always seem to whoever they kind of throw out in goals seems to do a nice job. I think it doesn't matter. That's the point. Yeah. Exactly. No, they're very literally, structured literally anybody. Team, so. Um, that's a solid pick for me on this one surprise standout I'm gonna go with Cal Peterson on the LA Kings I actually think the LA Kings are kind of a little bit under the radar this year I think they maybe surprised some people um, in a terrible division out there in the Pacific so someone's got to break out so I think the LA Kings are going to be a little bit better this offseason Peterson signed an extension so um, seems like they may be trying to shift things a little bit more towards Peterson away from Jonathan Quick so um, I think Cal Peterson's a pretty solid goalie and uh, could see some uh, improvements this year for the Kings um, in, a, in a team that I think could uh, have some success this year and then we could 
So um, fun kind of a uh, segment there from Eric. Eric's, Eric's always got kind of interesting things for us to break down, but always fun talking about the goalies because he's right. No one really knows what's kind of going on. So um, we'll see how things kind of play out this year as we get a little bit closer to hockey season. So um, appreciate those questions from Eric. Eric's got a few more thoughts for us uh, before we move on to some other question askers. This next one, as I hinted to earlier, is about his Utah Jazz. So he says more of a comment since I'm a jazz fan and it doesn't matter. I'm pretty much just not watching the NBA this year. So uh, we are getting closer to the NBA season as well. Donnie, any thoughts on the jazz or basketball coming back? Um, You know, first off, that's cap. Eric will be watching the jazz. Agreed. I can almost guarantee it. He will get, he's going to get sucked in at some point. It's the same with the Broncos. He says, Oh, I'm not going to watch the Denver Broncos. And then he watches the Broncos. And then now, now they're a contender out of nowhere um, <laughs> in, in his eyes. So, He'll end up watching, but yeah, I, I think you would have said this last year. I'm not watching the NBA because I, I'm sure it's because of maybe the Lakers having a strong team, putting together a really good roster, or the Warriors could be very good. Phoenix, Denver, all these teams could be very good. And Utah, you know, maybe not as exciting of a team, but let's just be realistic here. It's like the NBA, we saw this year, anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. If you had told me that we were going to end up having first off, like the Nets should have won the title and it didn't happen. So if anything, it's like, par- maybe there's a little bit of parody in the NBA now. Who would have known? What Lakers, Nets, nobody, neither of those teams won. They were both the favorites. So uh, Eric will get sucked in when Utah plays well. It's it's just, we know it's, it's going to happen. There's no argument here. Yeah, definitely agree on Eric. And also about the NBA. Like, I actually think the NBA has a little bit more character and storylines this year. I mean, we're coming off a year where a team from the Eastern Conference, not led by LeBron James, just won a championship. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, there's a lot of kind of intriguing storylines going into the NBA this year. You know, even a team like the Golden State Warriors, like, you know, they were so dominant for so long. And uh, you wonder if, uh, you know, the Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, uh, when he comes back, if they're able to kind of put things together and have another kind of big time playoff appearance run or whatnot. And like you said, with the Nets as well, you know, kind of second year um, with, you know, kind of all of their core coming back. So I think there are kind of a lot of intriguing storylines in the NBA. I'm not a huge regular season NBA guy. It's usually playoff that are uh, much more intriguing to me but um, I think it should be a little bit interesting so uh, you know well I agree with you Eric's going to be watching the NBA and, and we will be a little bit too so um, nice to have a little bit of thoughts on the basketball world of things and uh, to wrap things up for Eric's questions he says say he says he's got a fun question for us and he says say you've had a tough day what's your go-to extravagant pick-me-up meal and drink so there you go Donnie say say you've had a tough day what, what are you going to to uh to help you out they give you a pick you up meal and drink you know if i'm not thinking calories i'm definitely thinking chicken parm i think it's just it's a good comfort food it's it's one of those things it's it's very you know it, it makes you feel good it makes you you feel good and warm inside so i think chicken parm and for a drink i don't know i don't really drink anything like too too fancy like i'm not not much of an alcoholic um and i definitely don't drink like soda or anything anymore have cut that off but um if i was going to pick something I would say probably a Dr. Pepper, honestly. Like, you know, I used to really like drinking Dr. Peppers for a while. Um, so I would say chicken parm and a Dr. Pepper. If I'm not watching calories, I'm going to cheat day. I think that's probably the best thing that I can give you right there. Sure. Love that uh, choice there. For me, I'm actually a big fan of like eating out, like getting uh, like food like delivered from a restaurant or going over there. So, I mean, just a classic. Give me some Chick-fil-A. Give me like a uh, grilled chicken club sandwich with mac and cheese and a lemonade. Like, I mean, wow, I'm having a great time if, if I'm having that meal. So uh, just classic Chick-fil-A for me. If, if I'm having a tough day, that's where I'm going to to uh, give me a nice pick me up. So uh, I like the chicken parm call, though, uh, as well from, you know, Donnie, that's a that's a good choice. 
Yeah, especially with all the Italian restaurants around me, like you know, you're in New Jersey, a lot of Italians. You know, I, you can get some, you can get some good pasta dishes from just about anywhere, and you can have yeah. a good time with that. Hey, you want some pasta? So there you go. All right, now you're in. Uh, you're, you're, Literally, you've uh, you've you've accustomed to the locals there. So uh, in your second go around in uh, in the Garden State. So um, yeah, good stuff there. Always appreciate the thoughts from Eric. Great man, great listener. Always uh, always love it. Got to have him back on the podcast again soon. So appreciate that one. We will keep running along here. More question askers on this episode. This next one comes from my friend Trey, and he says. How to recover emotionally after your team gets smacked by the worst team in the league. This is, of course, a hypothetical. It's not like Trey's a fan of the Tennessee Titans who just lost to the New York Jets or anything like that. You know, completely hypothetical. So, I mean, Donnie, any kind of advice to, uh, uh, you know, a hypothetical listener who maybe had one of their favorite football teams, you know, just get absolutely smacked by the New York Jets? Well, hypothetically, you know, you can definitely bounce back against a team that maybe even – it could be worse than a team that was lost to last week, hypothetically. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about this before, but the Jaguars are closing in on a 20 game losing streak in the NFL, which is unheard of, like <laughs> absurd, ridiculous. And the, the team that happened to lose to one of the worst teams in football last week gets to play a team that may be even worse this week. So th- there's your bounce back. If you lose to that team this week, just like give, give the sport up, just stop, stop watching for the year. It's not worth your time. And that that's, you know, at this point, Tennessee is favored by four and a half points against the Jaguars team that hasn't won in 19 games. So, yikes. Good luck. I wish you the best because, you know, you seem like a passionate fan and everything, but it, this could be a tough weekend for you. Yeah, that was tough. Hopefully you get some A.J. Brown back in the lineup for the Titans this week. But you're right. I mean, we kind of hinted at it in the offseason too, Donnie. We were like, Mike Vrabel, like, you know, this guy, like, he's an interesting kind of head coach. Like, he's got some fire. But, like, sometimes the Titans just don't come to play against some trash teams and uh, kind of leaves your head scratching sometimes. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe get rid of Mike Vrabel and, and it'll be good for your emotional sanity. Uh, against – Against a team that had scored 20 points combined the first three weeks. Oh, we're giving up. We're giving up 27. Like, how does that happen? Come on now. Like, give me a break. That was a rough one. And I will actually give Trey a shout out because he messaged me this question like mid game. And then the Titans continued on to lose the game. I was like, oh, I was just like hoping that we could like have a moment. Like, oh, the Titans, they kind of squeaked it out and it didn't even happen. So tough one for Trey there. Uh, Hopefully the Titans can bounce back this week against the Jags for you. So I appreciate the question though, as always. Uh, Pretty, pretty consistent question asker. I got to say, Trey, Trey's always firing the questions out there, Donnie. We love it. Yeah. We're big fans of Trey on on this. Obviously, you know, um, he, he gives us real sports questions rather than um, the next question asker who does not give us questions about sports usually. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely, I, I prefer Trey's questions for sure. There you go. Yeah, you're right, though. Trey always asking us the uh, the hard-hitting questions, sometimes Memphis Tiger-related. Uh, it's always good stuff. But you're right, Donnie. Nice segue into the Roth Podcast listener, Captain Scotty G, who tends to ask us absurd questions, which he does again today. Uh, this first thought, though, from Scott, he messaged me earlier this week. He was really excited, and he says, controversy. He said, Josh stole one of my polls and asked it on last pod right after complaining about my polls. So Scott's absolutely calling out our friend Josh, but he's right. Scott has in the past posted on his Instagram story about if you would take a $1 free throw or the $10 or uh, the $1 layup, the $10 free throw, $100 three-pointer, $1,000 half quarter, whatever, whatever the fuck it is. And Scott's saying that I said I would take the free throw. Josh said he would take the free throw. And he's shouting out our friend Dan, who also said he was going to take the free throw. So I guess I backed up and I initially said I was going to shoot the free throw. And now I'm just taking the layup to, to get my dollar and move on. 
So the thing is, I can guarantee you, Scotty G got this from somewhere else. He did not create that on his own. Correct. He did not. So if anything, he he, yeah. So so he should not be calling out Josh because Josh um, obviously did not create it. He obviously did not create it. You know, it's like the uh, the polls the polls are bad. They're stupid. I don't appreciate them. Um, (laughs) Sometimes they're okay, and I answer them most of the time. I'm not interested. but yeah, there's there's no controversy here. You stole from somebody else. Don't don't make it bigger than it is. I don't want to hear it, Scotty. I don't want to hear it. That's fair. I will give Scott his credit on his polls that he buries it up. I like. I'm a fan of the Trivia Tuesday. I always like to see how I kind of stack up with other people. So if you're interested in that, give Scott a shout on Instagram at Scotty G250. You want to you know partake in the polls but sometimes you know sometimes they're a little strange i i understand that side of things all the time they're a little so, strange i mean hey you know it's like twice twice a week they're their own <laughs> so all right uh scott calling out our friend josh on that one but um yeah i guess i uh I, I became soft and i'm only taking the uh the layup instead of the free throw so i guess you know respect for you for calling me out on that but um scott does have some sports thoughts he also asked about the Arizona Cardinals, which we answered uh, during the Eric part of things. But his next one says, should the Eagles pick up Jalen Smith? So this is actually a, an interesting thought because I am definitely not a fan of Jalen Smith because he's trash and the Cowboys agreed and they cut him, which was definitely a big surprise considering they had signed him to a pretty big contract. But Cowboys move on from Jalen Smith. He's a free agent now and the Eagles have trash linebackers. So you would think, you know, maybe you would sign Jalen Smith. I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing in the world. Although I will say I'm definitely not a fan of Jalen Smith. Despite his crazy athleticism, I think he can sometimes be a liability in coverage and uh, struggles to diagnose some plays. So I'm definitely not a huge fan of Jalen Smith, but if the Eagles picked him up at the same time, I would be like, I mean, man, he's probably better than like Eric Wilson or Alex Singleton at the least. So um, the Eagles have trash linebackers. So don't think it's the crazy thing in the world, but I also would be very surprised to see the, the Eagles actually pick up Jalen Smith. At this point, like what's the point of picking him up to be honest, unless he turns into somebody you can use long-term, like he he's going to end up going to contender. I saw the Packers earlier. I don't think that's been, uh, that's been confirmed just yet. Um, I, I just, you know, as much as I'd like to see the Eagles be successful for, for your, your sake, obviously RK it's, it's, it's not looking good. It's, it's just, I, I would say it'd be a poor idea. It's yeah. like, l- let it develop how it is, have a bad team for a year and then, you know, draft like you'll be okay. Yeah, the Eagles, just as an organization, does not give a single fuck about the linebacker position. <laughs> Every time around draft season, everyone always throws out the stat that they haven't drafted an off-ball linebacker in the first round since, like, 1979 or some absurd year a long time ago. And they never pay linebackers either, so I don't see a way that Jalen Smith ends up in Philly, although I do think he would improve the team, but, like, it's kind of a for what? Like, they're trash. Like, Jalen Smith isn't making their defense, like, some all-world-class you know, defense. So uh, for me, I, I don't definitely see a point in or expect it to happen by any means, but um, definitely an interesting thought. And I was definitely surprised to see Jalen Smith be outright cut by the Cowboys. So I didn't expect him to be available at this point. So um, definitely an interesting thought from Scott on there relating to the NFL. He's got another thought relating to the college football world of things. Uh, and he says, please break down this atrocity of a tier list. And it was a guy by the name of RJ Young breaking down some of the top college football teams. Tier one, he was correct. He had Alabama and Georgia, but after that, kind of falters a little bit. He had tier two, which includes BYU and Oklahoma State. And then you go all the way down to tier four where you have teams like Oklahoma and Oregon and Ohio State. And you're like, what? Uh, how are Oklahoma State and BYU way better than these teams? So, yeah, I mean, not a very good tier list, but I will say respect for Scott for bringing up a tier list because this is, of course, a tier podcast. Donnie, of course, we know that. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on the tier list that was put in front of us by Scott here? You know, it's it's definitely not what we're looking for. Um, 
I do think, you know, it is fair to, to discuss that Oklahoma maybe is not – they're not as good as we thought they were, uh, considering they have had four of their five games have come down, been within a touchdown sure. or less, um, which is a scary reality. If you keep playing close games in college football, you're going to lose one of those games against a bad team eventually. It's just how it works. And it's, how, it's how college football works in general. Um, but definitely putting them in tier four is a little bit um, a little bit shocking. You know, let, let's just be realistic with BYU and everything like – it's BYU. Like who, who, who cares? They're, they are not a team that can compete with Alabama or a team that can compete with Georgia. And I don't want to hear it. Oklahoma, on the other hand, probably could um, probably not going to beat Alabama. Let's be realistic, but like, there's no reason to put them in the same tier as first off Iowa, who has had one of the more, like they through five games. They probably given up what 14 max, maybe 17 or they haven't given up more than 20 points in five games. Yeah. Um, which is very, very difficult to do in college football where it is, it is more of a high-scoring, um, you know, it's fuckery. College football is fuckery. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Penn State, you know, I don't believe in Penn State, but other people do, and, you know, we'll go with it. Fine. You know, they beat Wisconsin, like, huge. Um, but, yeah, first off, you can't have a Tier 4 with, like, 23 teams in it. UTSA in the same tier as Oklahoma. Just, I just I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's, that's where I'm at, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I, I think that's good analysis. It was definitely like is UTSA ranked? I don't even know. I, I haven't watched a single. UTSA's not even ranked. You're telling me they're in the same. They're not even ranked. The Ohio State Buckeyes and the Oregon Ducks. Like what? I don't. I don't know. Again, it's just it's one of those like Skip Bayless things. It's just somebody saying something for TV. Who cares? Yeah, it, it was like a Twitter post or something that Scott saw, and he was like, "This is trash. I need to people have people acknowledge that this is trash." And there you go. We just, but shout out to the tier list, of course. At least you properly formatted the tier list, you know, better than the you know, top 25 rankings, which doesn't even do it. So shout out to RJ Young on that, but he just didn't put them in the right spot. So respect for Scott on the question and disrespect for RJ Young on his football analysis. So there you go. Shout out to Scott on that one. All right, moving on to Scott's next question. He says, can the Sky win the WNBA finals? So First WNBA question we've gotten, I'm, I'm pretty sure at least, but yeah, respect to the Chicago Sky getting to the WNBA Finals as a sixth seed. Uh, I saw that was the lowest seed that has ever made the WNBA Finals in its history. So uh, respect for the Sky on that. So yeah, I'll say sure. I'll say the Sky can win the WNBA Finals. Why not? So uh, Donnie, how about you? What are your thoughts? I'm definitely with it. Um, you know, as a Los Angeles sports fan, um, you know, Candace Parker is a Los Angeles Sparks legend. She used to have her own... Um, like a little poster outside of Staples Center and inside of Staples Center, all these pictures and such. And she played for the Sparks for a very, very long time. Um, she's obviously one of the best to ever do it. So if Candace Parker's on the team, I'm thinking, why not? She's a former champion. Uh, they're winning for sure, no doubt, in my mind. Probably, uh, I'm thinking a sweep. I don't know. Like, what a performance from them. <laughs> sure why not we'll we'll roll with that there uh yeah respect to this guy i guess we'll uh we're now a WNBA podcast as well so shout out to scotty he, he sometimes will bring up the uh the other sports like nascar i know scott will bring that up for us once in a while uh in his questions so i uh, appreciate that scott's got two more questions for us end of the podcast now you guys regulars know what's going on but scott's thought here he says did you ever get nervous when you heard this in gym class <clears throat> The fitness gram pacer test is a multi-stage aerobic capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. The 20 meter pacer test will begin in 30 seconds. Line up at the start. The running speed slowly starts slowly, but gets faster each minute after you hear this signal. Donnie, what, what, what are your thoughts on like, your PTSD meter after, after hearing that? 
Yeah, you know, really, we, we discussed this a little bit uh, before the podcast. I am not a fan. I was never a fan of the Pacer test. I very much dreaded having to go middle school um, gym class. That was not not my favorite. So I'd say that PTSD meters at like a 7 out of 10. It could definitely okay. be worse because it's like it was more just me being lazy and not wanting to run it and everybody else being lazy. <laughs> and then all of, all of a sudden, like, you'd get somebody that would want to do, like, really try hard it so they'd go, like, 60 or 70 rounds yep. or whatever. And I'd be sitting there like I twenty five through. I'd be like, nah, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that about the kid who gets like seventy on the pacer test because like For no there's reason. like few there's like few life peaks higher than when you're like that kid that runs like seventy five and everyone's like, whoa, like like Tommy, how how did you do that? And you're just like the man, like in in you know fifth grade, you're like, wow, like this guy's unbelievable. So, I mean, shout out to that kid that, that was able to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, rookie score for you on the, on the PTSD meter, Donnie, with the seven straight up. But I mean, I think that's a fair answer. So <laughs> yeah, I see. It's like, it wasn't, it wasn't worse than a seven, obviously, but it wasn't a 6.9. That's too light. So I'm thinking True. the seven even is just, it's a fair analysis for me at this point. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll roll with that. I mean, funny, I didn't ever expect to read the, uh, the fitness pacer test on this podcast, but here we are. So that's Scotty G that's the listener captain. So that's, that's what he wanted. That's what he's getting. He got one more thought. He brought up Josh earlier and he's doing it again. He said to Josh's package of Gucci belts ever come in. Uh, if you missed last podcast, Josh gave us some extravagant story about how he had a package sent to Cincinnati, Kentucky, which isn't even real. So he was very upset about that, but um, I don't know. We got to follow up. We need uh, we need Josh Combs on uh, on the Twitter sphere to know if he ever got that package to come in. The uh, the people are asking. Scotty G wants to know. So uh, we got to find out from Mister I Hate Lettuce too uh, on that one. So uh, good thoughts from Scott. Some sports thoughts uh, and uh, some some fitness gram pacer test thoughts as well. So uh, always appreciate that from the listener captain. Give him a follow on Instagram at Scotty G two fifty. Participate in his polls if you desire. It's a risky play, but um, I'm giving him a shot there. So I uh, always appreciate that from Scott. We'll move on. Last question of the podcast designated spot for my sister Kira. And she texted me this one and I actually already gave her my reply on it, but she said, what's your current walk-up song, which is a great question because I'm super glad that I have a sister that is also as obsessed about walk-up songs as I am. So I told her that it always changes. So now she's asking current walk-up song, Donnie, I'll go to you first. What are you picking? You know, the start of Champagne Poetry by Drake, where he's like, I love you. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking that's perfect. I walk up to play it and then they, they announce me, you know, uh, obviously pinch hitting in the eighth inning, you know, we're down two yeah. and then I hit a three run homer, to, you know, just that's what's happening right there. It's, it's just a perfectly little emotional, like, Hey, he's ready. Like he, he, he's, he's dialed in right now. That, that's a great choice. I'm glad to hear that Donnie is ready for October baseball and hitting bombs in the eighth inning when he's walking up to Drake. That's a great choice because me as well, I've told this to Kira before, but whatever new Drake song is out. So Donnie picked one. I'm picking No Friends in the Industry on Drake's last album. Uh, I think that song is just a banger. I'm definitely picking it. I'm going up to the plate and I'm like, yeah, I got no friends in this industry. You know, I'm going against a pitcher who is not my friend. Uh, and I'm trying in to the industry, know, obviously. success off him. So yeah, that's where, that's where I'm going. I think No Friends in the Industry is uh, is a great song. So that was an easy choice for me. I literally like had that ready, like for just to get a random text out of the blue, like, oh, what's your current walk-up song? And I was like, bang, I got it. I had that one ready to go. So um, there you go. Kira gets her airtime on this one. Current walk-up song, always a great question. So we're both going with songs off Drake's last album. So good stuff there. Great podcast. Uh, had some mid-podcast interruption, Donnie, but we made it through. I'll turn it over to you here to uh, wrap things up. 
you know, just to make sure that his internet doesn't fall apart again while we're recording <laughs> the, the, uh, the outro here. Uh, you know, obviously, thank you for the questions. We appreciate it. If anybody has any questions, you know where to send them at this point. If not, uh, Twitter, Roth Podcast, Instagram, uh, it's pretty easy to find us. We're not, we're, we're out there. Um, obviously, Kira, thank you for the, the end of podcast question. I appreciate it, um, especially more than Scotty D's questions that are kind of ridiculous <laughs> about the fitness grand basic test. Otherwise, um, you know, Sheck West, Sheck West, like figure it out. Like we're 70 episodes in now and still nothing. Like what's going on? Um, Not yet. Other, other than that, you know, we appreciate everybody for listening to this. Uh, if you're listening at this point, what, what are they, RK? End of the podcast, folks. They, they are end of the podcast, folks, and we appreciate every one of you who does listen deep into this. But at this point, I will be leaving you. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day and night whenever you're listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Peace, everybody. Peace. She moved out of state and shit that went left. She's seeking forgiveness. She used to dance, but she went alone and start up a business. Her daddy is not around. Her mama is not around. I watch her climb to the top of the pole and then get to sliding down. <laughs>